Hello, friend. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Zach Holt, and this is Come to the Table. Some of our most intimate conversations happen at the kitchen table. Walls crumble as space is created to know one another more deeply. Our hurt and our heartache are replaced by hope and healing when we pull up a chair, let down our guard, and simply be who we are where we are. In our time together, we'll step into the shoes of others through recovery stories of redemption, offer resources and connections for those in need, and come together as a community starving for revival in our region. So if you're hungry, you came to the right place. Well, we are so glad to have you with us today. Uh, special guest, uh, somebody who's very important in my life, uh, who has changed everything, everything I thought I knew about myself and uh, what I was capable of, and, and it just... Um, came to beautiful fruition when I met wife, Victoria. And so she's going to jump on here today with us, and we're excited for where the conversation will go. Uh, so, sweetheart, why don't you introduce yourself? So I'm Victoria Holt. Um, been your wife for a whole two years. It's been amazing. It's been a great two years. <laughs> um, I work in healthcare, in data science, and have three beautiful kiddos that will tell you they are adults, more or less. <laughs> so. so part of our show is connecting uh, folks that, that have been kind of cast out, folks who have struggled with um, addiction backgrounds, recovery backgrounds. Um, and so I thought this would be a really helpful episode, uh, not only gives Victoria space to, to share uh, part of her story with you all, but um, also to kind of talk through some some tensions and navigating and, and walking with others through kind of the messiness uh, of recovery and homelessness and all that. So just to kind of share some stories of stuff that we've struggled with and how we kind of have found a level place uh, amidst all of the chaos. Um, so maybe why don't you just maybe start off and tell a little bit about your kind of your, your story uh, and, and how it led you to where we are now. Um, yeah, so uh, I did struggle with addiction when I was younger. Um, was in high school and very type A overachiever and um, kind of dove into some some use there. Uh, when I was 16, went to rehab, came home, um, really straight and narrowed out, uh, did really well, went through college, um, got married, had my first child, then my second child. And uh, within the mix of that, there was just some turmoil um, in my marriage. And it was not a good or safe space for me. Uh, and the military was more than capable and able of prescribing drugs. Mm -hmm. And they would prescribe a 90-day supply. And then they would change it up 30 days in, 10 yeah. days in. So you'd have a new 90-day supply, and they wouldn't be shutting any of those off. So easy access to a bunch of meds to help kind of numb mm -hmm. the experiences I was dealing with. Uh, as that was kind of going on, it gave me that environment to kind of pull away. Um, life took some some up and down turns and uh, led to a divorce, which was you know much better for me, for the kids. And in the midst of that, one of the things that was said to me was, well, you're an addict and I'm gonna take the kids for me. Mm -hmm. That was my gut check moment of, oh no, like mm -hmm. these two tiny humans are my life. Mm -hmm. So uh, got clean, didn't touch anything. Since then, it's been 14 years, mm -hmm. give or take. That's awesome. um, so kind of dove headfirst into my career and raising, 
raising two little monsters that are <laughs> ever a handful. Um, and kept going on vacation. You know, obviously Disney's Disney's one of my happy places. Uh, so did that for a long time with the kids. But every Christmas they would get experiences mm-hmm. as opposed to gifts. And for like four Christmases in a row, skiing was mm-hmm. one of their memories. And we kept coming up to this area. And we were in uh, Beach Mountain, I think, the last time. <clears throat> and I made a post on Instagram and I was like, I would kill to wake up here every day with my little coffee mug on a on a banister. And uh, less than three months later, <laughs> I had sold my house and moved to Gray and COVID hit and the world shut down and my work accelerated being in healthcare and so stayed busy and my counselor was like, you need, you need to meet people. And I was like, no, thank you. I'm pretty happy. <laughs> I don't, I don't need to meet people. And uh, she, she was like, no, 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 you need to meet people. And she pushed me out of my comfort zone. So uh, got, got a dating app, swiped left a lot, swiped right a few times, swiped right on you. Uh, <laughs> and then we talked via text for, I don't know, months. And then you finally asked me out after forever. And I called my mom on the way to meet you for the very first time. And I was like, how rude is it to cancel five minutes before the date? And she said, Victoria, you can't do that. And I was like, fine. So I I got to Bristol. And um, anybody that knows me knows I cannot valet park. Not va- I can valet park. I can't parallel, parallel park. Parallel parking is treacherous. Yeah, yeah right. So uh, I'm on the phone with her, and I was like, oh, there's nowhere to park. This is not meant to be. This is a sign from God. This is a sign from park. God. I have to I have to parallel park. <laughs> he doesn't want this to happen. And lo and behold, right in front of 620 State, a, uh, a spot opened up, and I was like, oh, it's a pull-in. So I just pulled right into the spot, and I was like, all right, I'll call you. I'll call you after my date. And while I walked in, you were texting me to let me know you were going to be late so shocker shocker and it was <laughs> it was just magic oh, yep magic from there <laughs> oh that's funny you know you talk about disney and we just celebrated our, our second wedding anniversary uh and uh so when we did our uh, our vows um uh, i shared that you know there are three things uh that that you've taught me one that uh glitter is a color very much um, so. And that Disney villains usually wear green and purple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that I never knew uh, that I could love somebody so much. Uh, but Disney is, is an important part of uh, her story and now our story. And um, so that's beautiful. So I want to hear a little bit about uh, a little bit more about your your work role. Um, and kind of sort of how, how some of that moves and flows. Because I think that'll kind of frame how maybe uh, exposure to ministry and our community has kind of spilled over and shaped that. So why don't you kind of lay some groundwork about kind of what you do and, and yeah. Um, yeah, so I do statistics and analytics. Um, a lot of what I focus on is how to better serve <clears throat> the healthcare population for the company I work for by finding, you know, kind of who they are and what their needs are and doing that in a way that is um, all behind the scenes so that there's never never a feel for what that looks like um, to them. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of the focus is, is coding 
and it's very, it's very uh, insular. So it feeds my introverted side, where it's me and a computer and maybe three other people who will sit on a phone and kind of tear through stuff. Um, as my rose roles have uh, kind of grown, it's a lot of telling the business what they need and what would be good for the membership and how to how to create personalized experiences. So it feels like you're getting that white glove concierge service. Mm-hmm. One of the products I got to make, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of what I do, I never see. I never see the human effect to it. And it's it's a lot of numbers and data and it's, it's very black and white in my world. So I was in the car with you and several of the guys from BLR. I think it was really early on when BLR started. And uh, one of the guys in the car goes, oh, my insurance company, you know, they knew that I needed food and they knew that I needed this. And he's going through all of these different things. And I think it's the first time you saw me light up mm-hmm. about my job as I I pestered this poor man with a million <laughs> questions. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what did they ask you about? Did they ask about this? Did they? And he's like, how'd they know? And um I waited till he was out of the car and I told you, and I was like, this is my product. I helped build this. Like, (laughs) this is amazing. I never see the human side. I don't, I don't get to see the human touch. So for me, that, that comfort level really falls in the, the space in between where I can see it from afar and then tell you why it's a good thing and how to, how to spread it out. I guess I half answered what I do. No, that's a great, that's good. That's good. So when, um, when we got together, uh, and and you realized that that I was kind of a a, a package deal with this whole uh, other other thing uh, when we when we met I'd really just just started uh, kind of uh, started the uh, the table and you know different ministry uh, events and recovery stuff that we have so so what was it like for you as you kind of you know on the periphery and then as you've moved in um, you can share a little bit about kind of what what that experience has been like from from your perspective. Yeah, so um, I'm around a lot of people whose gifting is being with the people and kind of the the boots on the ground where they're interacting. And um, I remember one of the first times we went on a cookie outreach and I was like, oh, you want me to talk to people? <laughs> and it was like I couldn't. Um, and then, you know, after after a few times of doing it, I chased a random man down the street and decided, you know, it's probably not for me. Cookie outreaches. He had his um, headphones in. He couldn't hear anything. And you're just like, take my cookie I running was down the street. Yelling, <laughs> yelling while I chase this man down the road. Um, so, uh, you know, I I compared it for a while, my kind of my walk with, mm-hmm. with yours, um, because if you could do it, surely I could do it. Like, uh, And I know in my head it was a lot of it can't be that hard. And as it turns out, um, being with people is really hard. Uh, being being there in the midst of their struggles is is really difficult. And for me, it's the realization that my gifting sits more in the sit back and watch. Um, for me, it's it's the step back and observing and being able to compile, you know, kind of what's the overarching feel and what's going on. And hey, if we did this one thing and making those recommendations, it's it's more the administration side, mm-hmm. standing standing back and and organizing and getting everything set up like that's that's more of a comfort zone for me Mm -hmm. um and more than it's a comfort zone it's where i thrive Mm -hmm. so you and a crowd of people light up and it recharges your batteries Mm -hmm. Um, me and a crowd of people and i am 
dying to find ways out of the crowd. Uh, so it's a way for me to give to the kingdom mm-hmm. while still kind of mm-hmm. staying mm-hmm. in the areas that I'm, I'm really comfortable and I'm really good at. Yeah. And I think that's really good. And I think good for, <clears throat> good for most people to consider who may um, think, man, I'd like to get involved. I'd like to help in some way. Um, and so sometimes we have a very, a very narrow picture and understanding of like what it, you know, what it looks like. Um, and I've got a, a coach named Buddy, uh, who's just a phenomenal impact in my life. And, and so he always asks, he talks about, you know, which, which lane do you travel the fastest in, you know, which, which area, you know, of gifting, um, you know, is, is something where you're the most comfortable because that's really where you're going to be the most effective. Yeah. There's a certain extent where you need to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, but, but by and large, being able to live within that space, there uh, are things, uh, on the admin side that I am, uh, terrible at and they're super draining and they're, they're not things that, that I do well. And so that's one of the reasons, um, why I think we work so well together. Um, because your, your brain is wired in a direction that I, don't think about and you're very systems oriented and strategic oriented and and kind of how we can kind of get there what next steps look like and and i just don't always think that way um and so when people are you know wanting to help wanting to get involved uh we we say a lot that our our calling is gps our calling is the sum of our gifts and our passions and our stories so part of our role in 117 discipleship is to help people discover, you know, what what are my what are my giftings, you know, and what am I passionate about, and then what's my story. And somewhere in the middle of those three signals, we're able to triangulate uh, a specific calling uh, for that individual to to come beside and partner. Um, you know, one thing that. I remember whenever we sat down uh, with Paul and Marsha Byers before our wedding, and one of the things that Marsha said that I felt was was really helpful um, is she was like, you know, whatever image you have of you know being a minister's wife, just just scrap that, you know, and just just be authentically you, um, which, which I think is just so freeing, um, you know, in any role to kind of free yourself from that label and to be able to step into. Um, you know, now things that I think are, are very life-giving for you. So I want to take a minute and thank you for listening to Come to the Table on WEHC 90.7 and Wise FM 90.5. Uh, we are about midway through an interview with my amazing, beautiful, talented wife, Victoria Holt. And we're talking a little bit about how we kind of find our roles in, in respect to things that we are involved with. So... Victoria, um, the first podcast that you ever shared with me um, was uh, Simon Sinek. Uh, Start with why. Um, uh, Simon Sinek is her like her 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 man crush. That's not me. That um, is he is he is my <laughs> he is my work crush, my tech crush. He's fabulous. So he he says uh, in this this uh, TED talk it is it is phenomenal. He says you start with the why that the the uh, the what and the how that that all flows out of the why, um, and so you know. Ministry can can be draining and consuming, and and all of that that we're involved with. Um, so, why do why do you do what you do? Um, uh, why do you do what you do within our community? Um, and then I want to hear a little bit about maybe how that why shapes your work. How, if that makes sense? Yeah, um, I'm gonna go backwards before I go forwards. It's okay. I would expect nothing less. Perfect. Yeah. So when you were talking about uh, the conversation when we before we got married, um, one of the things that I loved that was said was uh, my job is to show up and be a member of the congregation. 
um, just because I'm your spouse doesn't doesn't change who I am. It doesn't mean I am special in some way. I am just like everybody else that's sitting in in whatever room we're in, you know, when, when you're speaking or preaching or whatever's happening, I'm, I'm no different than the person sitting to my right or my left or in front of or behind me. And that is, that is a hard pill to swallow for a lot of the congregation um, because I don't fit the traditional mold of a pastor's life. So that kind of ties into the why. So, so why and what does it look like for me? The why is really... Like I'm called to be your support system and to be your sounding board and to help you flourish. I don't I don't feel like I was called to do all of the the, sure. the stuff and things mm-hmm. that you're you're in, but supporting you facilitates the stuff and things. Mm-hmm. Um, so one seventeen and and all of the ways that it moves and feels, you know, connecting with um, sponsors and with, with donors mm-hmm. and people that want to support the mission because maybe they don't want to hand out cookies either and mm-hmm. they want to donate money because mm-hmm. that's easy for mm-hmm. them and that's mm-hmm. where their comfort zone mm-hmm. is and that's amazing. It is. Yeah. And then, you know, it's the why is how can I take all of the things I learn and know and my connections. Mm-hmm. So why not love you to the best of my mm-hmm. ability yeah. and show you that in, in a multitude of ways, mm-hmm. some of which are probably more more annoying than no, than not, loving it's, not annoying. It's, it's well well received and, and you know one of the things that that I I love about our marriage and I and I think folks no matter what you know kind of what industry or or whatever uh, vocational role uh, they find themselves in uh, marriage can provide such um, a healthy uh, I guess stopgap to uh, a temptation in in a very ambitious, driven world, just kind of a really nice organic um, point where I'm able to recall that I'm a I'm a husband first. I'm a husband before I'm this, or I'm a husband before I'm a I'm a you know organizational leader or a founder or a minister or all the other. I'm a, I'm a husband first, um, and so having our marriage as it, it kind of creates this really nice guardrail whenever we're living in that space well. Um, and I'm able to love you first. And um, my faith understanding is that if I love you really, really well, then that will spill over into all of the other relationships around me. Um, and it has proven proven to be true that if we can get that thing right, um, so folks that are maybe juggling you know, high-pressure careers and, and all of that, if we focus on the relationship of the one that we're called to love the most, um, and it's kind of counterintuitive sometimes that you think, oh, no, I just need to spend more time doing this, spend more time doing that. Um, but as I've kind of grown into the role that I have, I've learned that now the best use of my time is to, is to love my wife exceptionally well, and, and everything kind of flows out of that. I would so, agree that um, so, so loving you well provides me the ability to be by your side in a lot of situations where, um, like I was saying earlier, I can kind of hang back and observe. And that has changed my work style in my corporate world, um, where we talk a lot about servant leadership and what it looks like to be a servant leader. And uh, it's a lot of lip service until you you start putting in that work. And Mm -hmm. I can see in how I work with my staff that 
in a one-on-one, I'm not asking them, what are you delivering? I'm asking them, how are you? Mm-hmm. How's your family? Mm-hmm. When's your next you know, vacation? What's your next thing you've got going on? What's something you're excited about that has nothing to do with your day-to-day job? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's flipped how I work and it's created an environment where you know, burnout is a huge deal. Sure. And that's not something my team struggles with because I focus in a reverse setting, which is something I've learned through our marriage and mm-hmm. then watching you mm-hmm. and how you how you work. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. It's neat to see kind of how it all sort of spills out and flows into. So I think for me, um, sometimes when I'm the most discouraged and uh, the most deflated, uh, hanging on to, to the stories, hanging on to the big wins uh, are, are super helpful uh, for me. So what has been, uh, what has been, you know, you shared one about the individual who had been a, a user of the, the program that you helped to build. Um, what's been another um, story from the community, uh, maybe lately, that, that's really touched you? Mm. So I like the little wins because mm-hmm. um, all the little wins are more fun, and they happen so frequently. Um, last night was really cool. Mm-hmm. Getting to to bless uh, the 117 guys and take them out to dinner um, in an environment that a lot of them don't, they don't get that, right? Uh, and the little, like, the little interactions, um, it's listening to them tell the stories that they think are just, either kind of these throwaway nothing passings or for them they're these huge deals so um, we joked that we couldn't get a puppy because we had 12 grown men that we had adopted and I say that with more love than than I think most people get because there are conversations that come out of each of those individuals that astound me regularly Um, conversation with Temeskin Mm -hmm. I didn't Mm -hmm. see that coming where I've watched him blossom mm-hmm. yeah. in so many ways. It's a beautiful thing, yeah, to get to watch him and, and all of the all the laughs and the little things. And one of them last night, uh, we went to uh, shout out to Jay Frank in, in Bristol. He did a fantastic job catering uh, to to our uh, Motley Crew of Misfits. And uh, one of the guys in, in our in our group said, "Wow, I've I've never been to a restaurant with two forks before." Uh, and, and sometimes the, the little things um, that are huge to others. There was a, uh, another story from our, our community recently where um, a, a man and a woman who had been living in, uh, in a tent that uh, we gave them uh, several months ago and had just really been struggling for a long time. Uh, being unhoused and um, and just just troopers, just so resilient and so sweet, um, and and so they they finally uh, were placed in an apartment, and so she begins sharing the story about how she took her first hot shower in months, and she just let the water run for forty five minutes, and she was just so thankful and so grateful, and um, you know we hear things like that and, and sometimes we don't know how how blessed we are how good we have it and it's those stories it's uh, our presence at the Salvation Army on Tuesday nights it's our community um, at the Boys and Girls Club on Sunday nights and, and it's all of those stories of, of walking with others through that and hearing those little things that are really big things that bring such joy uh, in the midst of uh, a lot of a lot of pain um, and a lot of brokenness um, but to see the light breaking through out of that is is really special. 
so one thing that, that I did have a note that I, I wanted to, to ask you, because I think a lot of our folks that are wrestling in addiction uh, or early recovery may be able to identify this, is, is that uh, I, I once believed that I, because of my actions, uh, because of my behaviors, um, uh, because of the things that I did, that, that I was not worthy of receiving love. Um, and so there, there's a part of me that wouldn't really open myself up to uh, to being loved the way that you love me because there was a part of me that just didn't feel like I was worthy of it. I carried a lot of guilt and a lot of shame uh, left over from my addiction. And so kind of walking into that and I just had written it off like I just believed this lie that I wasn't worthy of receiving love. And and I have never been loved the, the way that you have, have loved me. And it's like that love just washing over me um, time and time again, uh, you know, and, and it's not always like all at once that these big changes happen. Uh, there was a, a story I tell of, a, of an old Jewish rabbi, Rabbi Kiva. And so he's a, also a shepherd and off in the distance, he's watching uh, in his field as this little stream of water is trickling off the edge of a cliff and down onto this giant rock formation below. And so he goes over to take a look at it uh, and he sees how little by little, drip by drip, um, the, the gentle stream of water had actually hollowed out a large space in the rock. Um, and, and he says, gosh, if, if this little bit of water can do this, how much more can God carve into the wounds of my heart? Um, and, if, and if all it had rushed over all at once, it, it wouldn't have had much change, but it's the slow drip, it's the consistency. Um, and, and your love for me has been that slow drip, that consistent slow drip, that through all of the discouragements and all the ups and all the downs, um, you know, you have been for me a message from God that you, you are worthy uh, of receiving love and I am worth loving. Uh, and that has just dramatically changed me. So a lot of us struggle with lies that we once believe that we now know are not true. What is a lie from your past that you used to believe um, that you know is no longer true? Yeah. Um, so backwards to go forwards. Uh, what you're just saying, I, I remember once sending you a Simon Sinek talk where he says, uh, when did you fall in love with your your girlfriend, boyfriend, spouse, whoever? And the guy's like, um, and Simon Sinek goes, yeah, just give me like a day, the, the day you fell in love. And he goes, it's not, it's not any one thing. It's a compilation of things, right? Things that just happen over and over. It's every time that you know, you get up to go to the kitchen, you come back with a drink for me, or it's all these little things that happen over and over. And then one day you just wake up and you're like, oh, this person. Um, so all of that, uh, the lies that you hear over and over, right? <clears throat> so for me, they've come both out of people's mouth mm -hmm. and through my head. Uh, you're your, what is it? You're, you're always your own worst critic. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I did have a lot of the you need to not rely on anybody else. Like you have to be self-sufficient. Um, I had I had a lot of voices outside of myself. I shouldn't say a lot of voices outside of myself. Um, I had a lot. I heard very often that I could never do it on my own. Yeah. Um, that I would never be good enough. That I couldn't. I couldn't achieve. Yeah. Um, so in me that created hyper independence. And when I say I'm type A, I'm super overachiever. Like the best is still not good enough. And if I set a goal of 10, then what I really want is 15, but what I'll settle for is 20. And uh, 
it was that repetition of hearing that. So even my early use was you're not good enough, you're not doing enough, you can't be a burden on others. So if you want love, you have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was that that strive for that continually. Um, And I know when we first started dating, I was independent to the point I think I'd I had sprained my ankle pretty severely and you were in finals and I called you and I was like, hey, I think I broke my foot, but it's okay. I got this. I'll call you later. And you were like, excuse me? And I was like, no, I'm good. I got this. You came over and you're trying to help me walk because I'm like swatting your hands away and almost crawling because I'm so convinced I can do it by myself. Um, And through repetition of showing up and being consistent, I've learned that I don't just because I can doesn't mean I should. Um, so just because I can do it on my own doesn't mean I should. That spills into my work life, which is good. Um, but in home, you show up consistently. I recently had surgery. And normally I would have been like, I can sit up by myself. I can I can all of the things on my own. And instead, I think I texted you a million times and I need and come help and I can't and why are you not here and <laughs> how can I how can I disrupt your day even more but mm-hmm. I felt comfortable enough and I felt worthy enough mm-hmm. to stop and just say hey like I, I need you to sacrifice three days mm-hmm. and I need to be your sole focus um, because I need this regardless of if I can or can't do it on my own yeah yeah I think that's beautiful and to allow ourselves to open up to, to be loved. Um, so maybe that's how we maybe that's how, how we close out today is uh, whoever's out there, whoever's listening, you, you are worthy of receiving the best things, the blessings, the, the love, all of that. So no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, um, that you are worthy uh, of love. And, and it's my hope that, that you receive that. So friends, we want to thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Come to the Table. We hope that it has been an encouragement to your recovery or maybe created in you a curiosity about what it means to live into a selfless life of service. If you'd like to know more uh, about our ministry, connect for resources, uh, reach out to us for coaching, any way that we can help you to more faithfully walk with others in their time of need, uh, would love to connect with you. You can reach out to me at the table bristol 117 at gmail.com just want to let you know you don't have to walk this road alone friends hope redemption beauty from ashes light from dark are all so much closer than you know grace and peace to you my friend